WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson, and this morning on Flashpoint, are we getting ready for a blue wave here in North Carolina? One new poll out this past week suggests we might be. But is it too early for Democrats to get too excited? Republicans, they are banking on it. Coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to both sides later in the show. First, though, let's talk absentee ballots. Long part of the voting tradition here in North Carolina, across the country. You mail it in. Folks have been doing it for a long time. Now, though, this year in the crosshairs, politicized by President Trump, who claims the system is ripe with fraud. This morning, we speak to the go-to guy who tracks all this stuff, and he does it for fun. The trends he's already seen open up. All right, we're talking about political science professor at Catawba College, uh, Dr. Michael Bitzer. Professor, thanks for coming on as always. My pleasure as always. All right, I want to begin with a graph that you put out on social media that I think speaks volume. Take a look. As of this week, North Carolina, well over 100,000 requests for absentee ballots for the 95 counties that are reporting across the state. To give you some indication, and the graph basically shows it, that is five times out of where we were this same time back in 2016, the last presidential race. And it's about 45% of the 2016's total requests the entire time. Professor, you look at a graph like that, you get this, you get this data together and compile it. What does that tell you? It's, it's just stunning. It really is striking that what we are seeing play out here in North Carolina is a whole new dynamic uh, that I don't think many people fully realize. Uh, when I went back and looked at the 2016 election results, we had barely 200,000 absentee by mail ballots actually cast. So we are well over 50% of what we saw delivered uh, in 2016. That number in 2016 was only 5%. 5% of the 4.7 million ballots cast came through the mills. So it was a fairly small percentage. This year, we could be looking at 15, 20. I've heard estimates of up to 40% of all the ballots cast could come through the mail. So it is a, a whole new dynamic uh, that we're just going to have to carefully watch as we play out over the next three months. The implications here is that this is all happening because of uh, the pandemic currently happening right now and people aren't going to want to yeah. go to the polls. Um, technically, what does, does this mean for the counting of the vote come if all these people are, are, are voting? Uh, <clears throat> what does this mean for the counting of vote come November? That's a great question. And I think it's important for voters to know that if they request their absentee by mail ballot, they can return it by the mail or they could show up in person at their county board of elections or at the early voting sites and physically turn it in. Now, what we will see is when they turn in their ballot and if the ballot is accepted, counties will likely go ahead and start processing those votes. So we should have, you know, if the bulk of them come in before election day on November 3rd, we should have the vast majority of them counted. It's that last surge, those last couple of days when people are potentially waiting to see where they're how they're going to vote and you know which candidates are going to vote for that we could see maybe Wednesday Thursday the final final numbers show up so uh, are we facing a, a situation come election night that we don't have the answers 
completely here in North Carolina? You know, if North Carolina is as competitive as the polls indicate, then I think it may be a couple of days, maybe 24 hours, maybe 48 hours before we truly know who the final numbers are. But if it if it's a landslide one way or the other, I don't think that that would necessarily affect the final results. I want to take a deeper dive into some of this data. Uh, take a look. 52% of registered Democrats have uh, asked for this ballot. Um, so you see 52%, then 13% registered Republicans, then 35% of those who are registered unaffiliated. What, if anything, can you take away from these numbers? Well, as you mentioned, I think a lot of this is being driven by COVID-19. Potentially, voters want to have that absentee by mail ballot as an assuredness. I have a ballot that I can cast that's in my hands. The other thing is, among registered Democrats, the likelihood is they are energized, they are activated, they want to go ahead and cast their votes now. They have to wait till September 4th to get the ballots mailed out, but they are probably ready. It's the unaffiliated number that is so striking to me. Now, that could be a common of things. It could be COVID-19 related. It could be unaffiliated voters who are likely Democratic voters or Republican voters that want to go ahead and cast their ballots. Once we get past September 4th and the ballots start to get returned, we will then know individualized data and we can track it to see who is actually returning their ballots and get a better sense of them. All right, I want to drill down on the local numbers here. Mecklenburg County is at 56% of its total absentee by mail ballot requests already. Uh, current party breakdown, 51% of registered Democrats, 11% uh, Republicans, and 37% unaffiliated. So pretty close to what the state yep. as a whole looks like. Exactly. And Mecklenburg County is actually second to Wake County. If you combine both Wake and Mecklenburg numbers, we are well over a third of the ballots are only from those two counties. So certainly the two behemoths in the states will really drive a lot of this dynamic moving forward. Of course, we, this all happens, as we know, the president has come out very strongly about uh, the idea of absentee ballots um, and sending it in, saying that it's, it can be a fraudulent system. I want to show you a tweet from, from a little while ago. Uh, this was back in May, and he says there is, I want to take it in two parts here. For one, he says there's no way, zero, that mail-in ballots will be anything less than substantially fraudulent. Mailboxes will be robbed, ballots will be forged, and even illegally printed out and fraudulently signed. I want to stop there. As a person who studies this stuff, is there any credence to any of that? I mean, are these things stolen out of the mailbox? Are they forged? Is there any uh, study that shows that, that, that that's happening? It could happen and pigs could also fly. The vast majority of the research shows absentee or voting by mail is the exact same thing and that there is very little fraudulent allegations to be made against it. Now, we here in North Carolina have had that experience. It was called the North Carolina 9th Congressional District race in 2018, but that was such a rarity in the grand scheme of things. Five states do all of their voting by mail. It is unheard of and it is really unconscionable. And in the case you mentioned, it benefited the president's party. Uh, I want to show the back half of the tweet because I want to make sure we're, we're, we're dispelling any rumors. Um, and he says, in addition to the forgery and, and the stealing of the ballots, that will be followed up with professionals telling all the people, many of whom have never even thought of voting before, how and for whom 
to vote. Any evidence that that happens on any broad, regular basis? Zero, because after 2018 in North Carolina, that information that was publicly available is no longer publicly available. The only data that the state board is releasing is grouped numbers. I have no way to know who has requested an absentee ballot until after they submit it and it is accepted. So the chances of trying to influence a voter who requests an absentee ballot or go after their mailbox is completely unfounded. A lot of information right there, Professor, uh, and that is why going back some 15 years, you are still one of my favorite people to interview because you got so much going on up there. Some of it, <laughs> so, it's debatable what some of it is, but you, exactly. you, you are such a smart man and we appreciate you having on and sharing some of that stuff going on and all the data, all that absentee ballot data is just, it's just fascinating. And you know, we're going to have you back on in just a few weeks to talk about more of it. Anytime. Doctor, thank you, sir. We appreciate it. More Flashpoint after this. We're really desperate. Local business owner Craig Ray applied for a government loan to keep his business going. But when his request got stalled, Craig contacted the defenders and asked, where's the money? I know that after you contacted them, things moved pretty fast. Just glad we could help you. If you're asking where's the money and feeling financial pressure, the WCNC Charlotte Defenders are here to help. Email us at thedefenders at WCNC.com. We're there to get you answers to where's the money, only on WCNC Charlotte. And welcome back to Flashpoint. Joining us for the rest of the show, former City Councilwoman Democrat Luana Mayfield and former State Representative Republican Charles Jeter. Thank you both for coming on. We appreciate it. Uh, before we get to anything else, the last segment we spoke a lot about uh, absentee uh, mail-in ballots, and, and I wanted to show you a, a tweet from the from the president uh, that came out this week. Uh, it says 2020 will be the most inaccurate and fraudulent election in history. It will be a great embarrassment to the USA. This is the part that really got people's attention. This last line: delay the election until people can properly, securely, safely vote, question mark, question mark. I want to get a reaction from both of you since I have a Republican here and I have a Democrat here. Um, uh, Jeter, I'll start with you. Do you feel like absentee ballots, mail-in ballots, are a safe, re reliable way for North Carolinians to vote? Absolutely. Absolutely they are. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, you know, Oregon, Idaho, Utah, um, Washington had been voting absentee mail-in only for decades without any problems. Um, what I don't think we should do is follow whatever the hell Florida does. But as far as absentee ballot, mail-in absentee, um, the president's trying to justify his upcoming defeat. Um, there's no risk and there's no empirical data to support that there's any risk moving to absentee that's just not accurate all right Luana Mayfield I want to get your, your your input I agree absentee ballots have been used by the Republican Party leadership for years and it has been used by multiple states for years without challenge I'm more concerned about the number of voting locations that have been shut down and reduced in communities where you had 25 voting locations reduced down to two or three voting locations and us as a community during a pandemic seeing what we saw earlier this year with early voting sites being closed down that is a greater concern to me 
And I want to point out to folks at home before we move on to the next topic that, that the president technically doesn't have the power to change the date of the election or to push it back. That would be uh, up to the U.S. Congress, just so everybody knows. All right, moving on now. This week, a new NBC News poll shows a possible blue wave happening in North Carolina. Joe Biden leading President Trump by seven points. Cal Cunningham has a nine-point lead over incumbent, incumbent Tom Tillis, who's said to be one of the most vulnerable senators up for re-election. And Governor Cooper has a 20-point lead in his race. Luana, I'll begin with you this time. Um, a lot of folks worry Democrats might be getting a little too cocky a little too soon. I am not a fan of polls. Polls told us in 2016 that that was going to be a very different outcome. I am a fan of Democrats as well as Republicans staying engaged and actually getting out and voting. The challenge that happens is people look at these polls and then they think in their mind, oh, I don't need to vote because this is already said and done. Everyone, every registered eligible voter needs to actually go out and vote. That is the only outcome that I am concerned about. The total, the tally at the end of the night on November 3rd, or waking up early November 4th. The polls can be very misleading because I know personally, I have not received one phone call regarding a poll. Charles Jeter, what, what do you think? I mean, you know, I, it still strikes me that the North Carolina fundamentally is still a, a, a purple state and can go one way or the other, that, that either yeah. way, that any of these races could go either way in typical election years. What about this year? Yeah, not typical, there's no question. And, you know, you look at a race like Trump v. Um, Biden versus Tillis v. Cunningham, and I, you know, I, I made no apologies. We all on the show as big a Tom Tillis fan as you will find. I think he's as fine an individual as I've ever met in my life, and he's the true American story. And then I, I look at it from a different level too. I look at it at the state legislative level. How much does this have an impact on very precarious majorities in the House and Senate over in Raleigh? We all like to focus on D.C., but much of what we deal with on a daily basis, and Luana and I, and Ben, we all know this, comes out of Jones Street on Raleigh. And you're talking about very slim majorities. If you do have a blue wave, could the Democrats overtake one or both chambers in Raleigh? A very valid point. Uh, Luana, you see a blue wave coming? I definitely see a blue wave coming, but I will also admit that I have concerns about that blue wave. We within the Democratic Party have seen multiple times where individuals have run, have been elected on the blue ticket, but their value system has not been in alignment with the value system of the Democratic Party as far as being a welcoming party and looking at the collective and the needs of the least of these and making sure that there is equity and access available. That is what I'm more concerned about is for either party, someone just going in and voting straight party ticket versus getting to know who these candidates are and what work did they do in community prior to running for office. Important to do the work ahead of time before you go in to the ballot box or in some cases you mail in your ballot either way. All right, uh, coming up, we're going to talk about the RNC. Goodness gracious. <laughs> My yeah, favorite topic. Exactly, right? <laughs> More on that on the other side of the break. Thank you for making WCNC.com your number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home. And trusting us on Facebook by giving WCNC Charlotte more followers than any other local TV news source. Thanks again for making us number one. Download the WCNC Charlotte News app 
and find out why WCNC.com is the number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home. The number one local choice for TV news is WCNC.com. Download the WCNC News app today. Experience the difference. Thank you for making WCNC.com your number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home and on Facebook by giving WCNC Charlotte more followers than any other local TV news source. This week, the roller coaster ride of the RNC continues for Charlotte. Well, North Carolina this week, the president was here and said he would make an acceptance speech somewhere in North Carolina. But then days later, we spoke exclusively with the vice president and he was in the Tar Heel state at the time. Here's what he had to say. And I know the president, we're all making plans for him to accept that renomination uh, here in Charlotte. So what exactly happens is still being determined. But Kellyanne Conway, of course, top advisor for the president, told WBT Radio this past week that it's unlikely the president's speech will happen in Charlotte. Uh, we're sort of parsing words here, but the, the idea uh, for those of you at home, he can accept the nomination probably by Skype. Um, but the acceptance speech, the big thing where the balloons come down and all that, that usually happens at a location. And from my mind, as your friendly host, I'm not convinced that that it's clear yet. And maybe by the time this airs, we have a better idea. Uh, Charles Jeter, I'll begin with you. Um, what do you think is going to happen in a few weeks when the RNC comes to Charlotte? I think um, I think it's going to be just a business meeting. I don't think Trump shows up. I think Trump's going to end up giving some sort of pre-end speech that's aired at Bedminster or one of his golf clubs that's nearby. I, 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 I don't expect him to be in Charlotte at the convention center or at any facility to give the speech. I just don't think they're going to allow that to happen. And it's not on a plane to come to Charlotte to speak to a teleprompter and nobody in the room. That ain't. So if that's his only option, um, he ain't coming. He'll give the speech and it'll be Skyped. Luana, what do you think happens here in a few weeks? We should say you've been you've been you, you you've been against uh, the the RNC from from the very beginning. I was a no vote from the very beginning because I did not think it was a good idea for Charlotte to host it, and we have seen a number of challenges because Charlotte chose to host it. We have been playing this ping pong game out of the White House with, okay, Charlotte's going to host it. No, Charlotte's not going to host it. I'm taking it to Florida. I do not believe personally that this gentleman is going to come into Charlotte. He will probably be from one of his golf courses and instead of using tax dollars to eat his personal investment. And it will be done online via Skype or Zoom or some other form of media. But I seriously doubt if he will be in Charlotte because we cannot accommodate Thankfully, because we are in the middle of a pandemic, we cannot accommodate having hundreds of thousands of people inside of a building. Uh, as, I, as I've said, I'd be yeah, this, I will I, say I, this. I, go ahead. Go ahead. My fear would be is that he'll Skype this acceptance from the office. I think that's as likely as not. And while I still am a proud Republican, although not always proud of the elected Republicans in certain offices, and I've certainly made my position known about President Trump. Um, I do have a real fear that somehow he'll justify it to himself to give that speech in the Oval Office and send it out. And if he does that, that would be the height of inappropriateness that, to a level we've never seen as far as politicizing that office.
I was gonna say but for, we've seen for, it. I was gonna say for the folks really at home, though, I do, I do want to explain for the folks at home who might not, because they might not follow politics, usually, uh, you know, a, a acceptance speech from an RNC Who's or a DNC. Who's show that doesn't follow politics? Is, is very political, very, very, very partisan, and usually not something that's done from, say, like an Oval Office or, or something like that. Right. Before I leave you, before I leave you guys, right. I, I want to, because we're expecting big news this week from uh, uh, Joe Biden. Your predictions on who his VP nominee will be. Uh, Charles, I'll start with you. Val Demings. Val Demings checked some of the prerequisite boxes he did. Yeah. Plus, she's a former police chief down in Orlando, Florida. That pushes back on this whole narrative that Joe Biden wants to fund police. He doesn't care about police. What better way to push against that than to select a former police chief as your vice presidential checks, nominee? Congresswoman from Florida checks a lot of boxes for sure. Luana, your prediction. It's really looking like Kamala Harris, to be perfectly honest, because of her experience and honestly because of her marriage, because of her being in an interracial marriage and the fact that that crosses a different line that we don't like to talk about in community and the relationships that she has in both the black and white community as we're seeing the level of tension daily on a daily rise of increase through all the protests. Quick response, Luana. As a Democrat, would you be happy with that ticket? As a Democrat, I will be happy with that ticket. I just don't want it to be the mayor of Atlanta because Atlanta needs her. And gotcha. I personally sat through what happens when a vacuum of black leadership is taken out of local community. Right. It leaves a hole. Okay. Thank you both. Appreciate it. Come back sometime soon, okay? Tornadoes, the tropical storm, severe weather is extreme weather. And we're here to keep you safe and to help you navigate your day. The First Warn team is there for you, no matter the conditions and the location. We're in your hand with the WCNC Weather app, and we'll always be there on WCNC Charlotte. So wake up, plan your day and your life. The First Warn Storm Team will be there for you. Before I leave you, over the last several weeks, asked folks online what they thought of government response. The response to the state local was okay. It seems like people are relatively uh, positive about it, with some people saying no. But then take a look at this. The response to the federal uh, response to this pandemic, 72% of people gave it a failing grade. Of course, you can come interact with us anytime on Twitter, on Facebook. Let us know. Always interacting with people. Always keep it respectful. Always interesting. Have a great week, everybody. See you bright and early tomorrow morning, 4.30 a.m. for Wake Up Charlotte.